All right, y'all. Hour two here on the Saturday, June 4th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Most Podcast coming up in just one second. Atlanta Sports Guys with Garrett Chapman and Max Markovich on all things Atlanta sports uh, on hour two here on the Chase Most Podcast. Uh, we got a three-parter today, so uh, one more hour coming in on this feed right after this. And if you missed uh, the earlier episode in hour one, it's Andrew Sharp of the Goat Pod. Uh, so just check that uh, out in this very feed. It's easy to go right back on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast to find all of our previous episodes uh, here on Chase Emma's podcast on bluewirepods.com. So uh, go check that out if you missed that. Uh, all kinds of great content throughout the week here on the Chase Emma's podcast. Uh, make sure that you subscribe uh, to my uh, newsletter sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com type in your email that simple become a subscriber today email the program at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas and like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer uh all right hour two with atlanta sports guys max markovich and garrett chapman on the hawks on uh the falcons and the braves so a lot of a lot of great stuff Coming up in just one second, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to the Atlanta Sports Guys. Taping this early on a Friday. We've never done it at this time uh, here on the podcast, but we're six hours out from Max and Garrett uh, getting their parties in order to watch Tennessee begin their regionals. Against the Alabama State Hornets, starting. At hey, Georgia Southern's hosting. Don't they are hosting. Respect on them. Georgia Southern is hosting. Are you gonna watch? Uh, it's on ESPN Plus, and I will have it on my. I will have it streaming. Yes. Okay. Well, I have not you, really. I don't. I don't even know if I've watched like any a, a single moment of Georgia Southern baseball this year. They're like top ten in the RPI or something. Mm. Well, I we here in Knoxville, we appreciate giving you guys giving your best player to us so that he can lead our rotation in Chase Dollander. And one thing I do know, A, Chase, it's a great name. B, Chase is in Knoxville, done really well in the last couple of years. Chase Burns, Chase Dollander, Chase Thomas, like the list goes on and on. It's a good it's a good time to be a Chase in Knoxville. Um and we'll see. Like as Tennessee continues on their quest as finishing the best college baseball team of all time. If they win at all, they're the best college baseball team of all time. They have 141 home runs at this point. They have given up a total of 141 runs on the season, including the tournament. They have just as many just home runs as runs given up. What's the record this year? Uh, it's like 53 and like seven or something. 53 and actually it might be 53 and like three. It feels it, it's whenever I hear greatest of all time, the greatest team of all time, I, it, it always just screams hyperbole. Mm. But I get. I mean, I, I don't know enough about college baseball to dispute. Fifty three and seven. So, I was right the first time. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know enough to dispute you. So there you go. It's good to you. Second best lose? team hosting a regional. I, good for you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if they lose, is it, is it the greatest choke of all time? Ooh. It's not a choke. Baseball's weird, man. And you got to get through regional. You got to get super regional, and then you got to get through the college world series. Like it's just a is lot. Is baseball of the hardest title to win? I think so. That and maybe college basketball. I think. I think college hockey is very – it's not harder, but it's very – All right, the Michigan man like has that. logged into the chat. Max Markovich <laughs> is here. The frozen I four. Mean, mm-hmm. I mean, college hockey is sick, objectively. Like, don't don't hate on college hockey. Mm. I, again, again, I don't know enough to dispute, so. <laughs> like, I know nothing about college hockey. I just know they make up universities in the frozen baseball. four from time to time. You got a University of Denver. 
Boston U, the Terriers, they live for this. I know that. Uh, see, I'm only just learning about Connor McDavid. Like, okay. What? Well, see, I'm the a guy, NHL, I, like NHL the guy, guy but like college I'm hockey, man. I don't know. That, that's all I'm saying. I don't know. Oh, Believe in Blue Land has Ooh. entered the chat. You know, Speaking I respect that. Were you a big Ilya Kovalchuk guy? Huge, yeah. I went to one of their two ever home playoff games. Did you really? Yeah, what did we get outscored like 8 to nothing? Wait, how old games? were you, Max, when they left? How old were you? I was nine. Oh, my God. Wait, when did they leave? It was, man, it was a long time ago, man. It's been a, over a decade. Was it 07? I don't yeah. know, nine. I, it's I been know. way over Yeah, it's been a yeah. long I guess I was, time. I was like 11 or something. Man. I was like, that was a kid. We'll, we'll just move past how old I was when I left. Um, You're not that much older than me. <laughs> I'm like nine years older than you, it feels like. What are you, like turning 40 this year or something? Jeez. Uh, I am oh, closer to 40 than I am 20. When's the AARP hit? Okay, that's enough. Um, hey, actually, you can all, everyone can do AARP right now. Is that true? Yeah, there's no there's no age minimum. Hmm. Fun fact. You can, everyone can go join AARP. <laughs> and... Do you want to pivot to the Roth IRA versus... Uh, no, oh, kidding. always go Roth. If you don't have a Roth IRA, I don't know what you're doing, man. Yeah, it's always Roth. We're very Roth yeah, friendly. it's post-tax, man. It's post-tax income. Yeah, are you kidding? That way I can pull it out when I turn 65. I could, there you go. I could be a billionaire like LeBron. Oh, man. Um, I have a take <laughs> on that. I'm saving for tomorrow. Um, so we are ostensibly the Atlanta sports guys on this podcast, and we have some Atlanta sports guys stuff to talk about. The Falcons first. Um, the Red Helmets are back uh, this fall. The Falcons are going all out to like, hey, look, we know we're going to be bad, and it's going to be a struggle, but here's this carrot. Here's this carrot. We're going to do different things to get people excited and get them in, uh, get them in the building. But Garrett, what do you... What do you make? You're pretty pumped about the red helmets. You're I love the red to... helmets. I see the, the red helmets went away, like specifically because of uh, concussion protocol things, and they, that's why they wanted to they wanted to limit the amount of helmets that that teams were able to like switch in and out of. And it was like what 2012 was the last time we saw the red helmets. Mm. They they look so good. I, I mean, they just look so good. I, I've been pushing for these damn helmets for as long as I can remember, and it's just. Classic Atlanta Falcons, you know, like you think of like what the Falcons were when they came to Atlanta, they had the red helmets and like you have the red and black for the University of Georgia. You have the gold for Georgia Tech. Um, they look clean. I've got I've got one literally sitting there on my on my like whatever you call it. Uh, there you go. Stand or whatever. I've got it over there. <laughs> I don't even know what to call Here's it. Keith Brooking in the 2000. See the blacks. All blacks are. are, are I like this good one too. a lot too. They look yeah. good. But it's like the, the team's not going to be very good. And I, might as well look good, you know? Might as well look good. Yeah. I, I love them. I, I think they look good. They're clean. They're fresh. I love them. Max, what do you Better got? than those jerseys that we have. <sighs> I, was think, I was thinking to myself, like, before mm. we got on, like, pretty quiet week in Atlanta sports. Like, what are we going to lead with? And then I realized, mm. of course, the helmets. Mm. Uh, I, I like the helmets, but, like, does that, like, really change? Like, do I get super pumped about helmets? I don't. I was when they came out when they dropped and everyone kind of freaked out. I was like, "Oh, so like we're gonna wear these? Like these are our new helmets? Like Mm. these are our week in week out helmets? No, No, we're just wearing them once. No, we just introduced these new at least once. Wasn't that like two years ago? We just did the rollout for these new uniforms. Two years, twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean, those jerseys are so ugly. They're so ugly. The white aren't bad. I like the white when we were in Buffalo. I thought the all white looked good. 
I it's, it's all, all bad. I don't know. I like the little chrome face mask and the white. I did not hate it. I did not hate no. the white. The gray. We don't even wear them. Is we, horrendous. Yeah, Max, we don't literally don't even wear them until like what week six or something when we, we play mm, the 49ers, our old division rival when we used to have them. God, um, what a time. But it's also like it's they're just helmets at the end of the day. The team, the product on the field is, is not going to change at all. But I was texting my uh, digital director because I was like, I wanted to write a piece on it. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is so cool. Like people are going to get so excited about it. And he's like, what are you talking about? Then what are you, what are you saying? So it was like an hour before I had it ready to go. And I was like, all right, here we go. And I'm like, this is churning away on the, t- on the keyboard for this quick little article. And it ended up, tr- it tracked really well. So it's like, oh, you did get a lot of excited. Okay. There you go. He was yeah, people like, are excited okay. about it. Yeah. Shameless plug. Go read my article. It's- yeah. Go do that. Um, <laughs> Nineteen ninety eight, but it's like an odyssey. Like it's you go to yeah, read something. your stuff. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Max like popped out of nowhere because Max like popped in with some golf stuff. Like I was reading during the Masters, I was because uh, I'll just like I have my whole Rolodex of different websites that I go through, and then I see like a Max Markovich byline and SI for golf. I was like, what is this? Like popped out of nowhere. Max just pops in and out writing. He he's gonna like write one piece a year or something. I yeah, don't understand he, it. It's like it's like what Wright Thompson writes like writes mm-hmm. like three pieces. Did he, did he drop the story from Ukraine? <laughs> I don't know. Like this week he did this week. He okay. writes like three three times a year. Yeah, that's mm. that's you just pop up when you least expect it. I didn't know yeah. you wrote for SI. I, it see, was freelance. It see, was, that's what I'm saying. Was, he like just popped in. Like I'm reading an SI. I'm reading the SI golf stuff, and then I see like, why were you reading the SI golf? Oh, for the <laughs> stuff. Yeah, just dude. I read through. every. Like I could send you my um, my daily reading schedule. Like I'm looking at it right now. So I have NFL, oh, NBA, yeah, sure. Major League Baseball, Premier League, uh, NHL, Entertainment, Politics, um, Atlanta, Falls, Golf, NASCAR, and I have it all organized with each link that i need to go to and how do you have time for like anything else <laughs> i look man uh a lot of my life is reading and talking and writing about sports that's a pretty hefty portion of my day-to-day um but it's, it's good life. hey it's organization that is the key is organization and the pomodoro technique the 25 minutes at a time you get up take a break five minutes clear your head then you're back ready to go for another 25 and you just keep rolling through, and you keep checking it off in your daily checkoff list, and you're like, "All right, here's where I'm at." And then you can see, yeah, okay. that's the way to go. Um, I feel like Warren Buffett right now. Here's the keys to success. Y'all aren't gonna do it, but I have no problem telling you. This uh, is morning chicken biscuit from from McDonald's. That's what it is. Do they have chicken biscuits? Yeah, they do, but that's not what he gets. He gets like a like a McGriddle or something like that. I don't know. Are he you, talks uh, he talks ad nauseum about his 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 morning routine where he goes to the same McDonald's. And his wife packs him like five dollars. That's Warren Buffett does that. Yeah. Huh. Same spot. I know, Chad Ochocin- I know Chad Ochocinco ate McDonald's all the time during his NFL career, and he like lived by McDonald's, and he was still out here balling on folks. Some people, man. Some people are just it's wild. Freaks. It just doesn't matter. Um, there's something else I was going to say about that. Oh, are y'all Mexican pizza fans? <laughs> like from Taco Bell? Yeah. I thought that was the moment where Chase was going to be like, oh, like, let's talk more Falcons. He's like, no, I've got something way more important. <laughs> Taco pizza, man. Let's go. Do you put, well, is there like pepperoni it on it back. or is it just? No, yeah. no, 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 no. It so. just looks like a pizza. I was at it's... FedEx the other day and uh-huh. uh, the, the lady was like, I gotta, I'm going to go take my break. And I'm like, 
okay, like go take your break or whatever. She's like, yeah, I'm gonna go to Taco Bell get that new Mexican pizza. I'm telling you, it's like a. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> the fiance loves it. it. She swears by it. Dolly Parton's like doing a Mexican pizza movie because of how much she loves the Mexican pizza. Like Mexican pizza is a real thing. I never, never got into it. That's why I was just curious because it just came back. I think last week, last week or the week before. So I don't know. <laughs> Taco Bell is just one of those places. I, I'm always amazed people go when you're uh, when you're sober. Like it, sober, it never struck yeah. me as a sober I love place. Bell. I don't know. It's it's a I lot, man. It. It's Heavy. I get the same thing every single time though. Two chicken quesadillas. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Occasionally a chicken quesadilla. Okay. That goes in my fridge. <laughs> I feel like Max is a healthy eater. Not really, no. But Eats I'm not like there's a certain category of of uh, of food that can only be eaten if you're willing to like write off the rest of the day. Yes. That's Taco Bell. So like if if the rest of the day is like it's two a.m. and I'm going to bed, yeah, mm. sure, like. Especially if I'm not sober, but mm. if the rest of the day is like, oh, you're gonna have lunch, like that's not gonna, that's not gonna happen for me. Yeah, I had I used to work with somebody who Monday through Friday he went to Burger King for lunch every single day, and I was always just absolutely floored. Like, how do you go back to work for four to five more so hours? I just had pasta for lunch, and I'm already feeling like pasta ready for, for lunch. That is yeah, a I'm ready for move. a nap now. Yeah, that was a mistake. I saw it and I was like, cookout ah, that sounds is, really good. That is a mistake. Cookout is the is the epitome of this to me. Cookout is cookout. heavy. Cookout will put you There's out. There's no way like, I'm doing cookout if I like have to do anything the rest right. of the day. Cookout is the That's a good day. hungover for lunch. Like yeah. you wake up at like 11 o'clock and then yes. you're like roll out of bed, roll off the couch, wherever. It's like a better version of the varsity. Oh, screw the varsity. Yeah, no. Like, that's a good I live, Atlanta I live is like five minutes from the varsity, like two minutes from the varsity, and I still yeah. never go to the varsity. I drive past it every single day, and I still don't go in there. The I haven't been to the varsity in years. Though. The chili dog's good. I'll still I like the, the frosted orange. The chili cheese dog with the frosted orange is still good. Mm. It's just, it, it makes your insides just burn. Yeah. Like, it's not the... But there are people who eat it all the time. That's one of those things where I just don't understand people. Some people can just handle it. Their stomachs are built... Uh, Built different. You know who else is built different? Max and Garrett. Kyle Pitts. <laughs> there it is. That's there a better bridge is. than uh, Marcus Mariota. Oh. Nice. nice. Okay. That was pretty good, actually. Max, it's your turn. We're just doing the <laughs> alley-oop stuff. Um, but Kyle Pitts is number five in PFF's top tight ends uh, heading into 2022. Um, they got Kelsey one and this is like, he's in tier one elite. So they only had six guys in tier one elite. This is Anthony Teresa does a really good job for them. Uh, he had Kelsey one Kittle two, Darren Waller three, Mark Andrews four, and then Kyle Pitts at five. Um, here's what he wrote. I'll just read this really quickly about Pitts. Um, what Pitts accomplished as a rookie receiver in 2021 was nothing short of remarkable. He turned in an 82.3 receiving grade for the season that ranked six among uh, among qualifying tight ends for 2021, third among all rookies at the position in the PFF era. The six foot six, 240 pound specimen also racked up 29 explosive receptions of 15 plus yards, which I don't remember. Uh, the most by a rookie in the PFF era by 11. He didn't get to that mark just from shutting linebackers and safeties either. Going up against cornerbacks on the outside as a rookie, the former Flagator tallied a position-leading 14 receptions, 290 yards, and six explosive receptions of 15-plus yards. Pitts provides uh, rare movement skills at his size to the Falcons' offense. His blocking falls short of expectations, but his pass-catching chops more than make up for it. 
Pitts finishing as the sixth most valuable tight end last season backs that up. Pretty high praise. Yeah, I think I think it's like really hard to evaluate <clears throat> Kyle Pitts' rookie year because of everything else that was going on. Um, but it's also like I feel like whatever he was last year, there's so much more he's very obviously can be. Um, so I don't like know if fifth is right. I don't. I don't know. I also don't know like how to classify him. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's such a he's just a unique figure. Like he's not he's not Travis Kelsey. He's not he's not even really Darren Waller. Like he just is kind of he's like a, he's not a receiver either. I mean he kind of is, but um, he can do a little bit of everything. And so I think I think fifth sounds about right. It's hard for me to like dissociate that from like fantasy. Uh, rankings, um, yeah, like where he would go in fantasy drafts, um, and it's always hard for me to quantify like how much should you value blocking from tight ends versus how much should you value pass catching and all that. Tight ends kind of a weird position, um, but I mean, if you're making a list of things you're excited about to watch for the Falcons this year, Kyle Pitts is probably number one. Mm. Yeah. What do you think, Garrett? <clears throat> he's a he's, he's a good player. He's a really good player. Um, but as far as like who he comps to, it's more, he's more of like a Jimmy Graham to me where it's like, he's not really going to give you anything in the, in the, the pass blocking game or the run blocking game necessarily. I think he, I think he can like grow and develop into the role. Um, but it, it's kind of hard to type, I'm not really going to typecast him anywhere cause he is like a true unicorn for the position or just for any position really on the football field. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see him. Next year, I, his ceiling is just so high. I, I think he can. I don't think he's ever going to be uh, George Kittle at, at the tight end position necessarily. But he right? can as be as like close he to can, Travis Kelsey or Travis yes. Kelsey. So he's never going to be yeah. George Kittle in the way that he finishes off defensive linemen and, and yeah. Kittle wants contact. And he wants to kill contact. People. George Kittle wants to kill people, and yes. he's your true tight ends tight end. You know, like he's the guy who's going to come in and, and take your flipping head off. Travis Kelsey is the guy that I see him more in that mold or maybe like a Darren Waller, uh, the two guys who really Max pointed to. But I, look, I mean, if he, if he even becomes close to what those guys are, then, uh, yeah, this is a slam dunk pick for the Atlanta Falcons from last year. But I, I want to see what more he can do. And he still has more development. You know, he's still got to grow. It's one of the – I mean, we, I've talked to Randy McMichael about this. He's a, He played mm. tight end in the NFL for 13 years or something like that. It's one of the – one of the most difficult positions to learn in the NFL hmm. because you're doing so much and you're asked to, you have to know all of the pass blocking concepts, the run blocking concepts. You need to know the route tree. Um, you have to be line up on the line of scrimmage, off the line of scrimmage in the backfield at times. I mean, you're doing, you're asked to do everything on the offense and be an athlete at the same time. And so he's got a lot of room to grow. So I think you could really see an explosion year for Kyle Pitts Maybe not this year, just because I have so many questions at the quarterback position. But if Desmond Ritter comes in and he is that guy, or even next year if they go in and go get like a a Bryce Young or something, they could really he could really explode in year three. Uh, but I see that coming here in the in the coming week, in the coming years, just because I mean the dude is so immensely talented, and by all accounts he's got it between the head, like between up here. So I think the sky's the limit for the guy. Five, I think is it's fine, mostly off of potential. It wouldn't surprise me to see him jump up into the top three in the next couple of years, but right now, rookie coming off your rookie year, he was really good. 
didn't always show up on the tape as much as we're, like when we're watching the game live. But I think we're going to start seeing that here in the next couple of years. But the talent is certainly there. It's crazy because like we're, we're talking about a breakout year, and I think everyone would sort of project that if the quarterback mm, play yeah. is, is good enough. And yet he's coming off in a thousand thousand plus yard season as a rookie yeah. mm. at, at tight end in an offense that was not exactly very good with an offensive yeah. line that was not very functional. Um, and it, it, you know it was a quiet quote unquote uh, yes. a thousand yard season, but it's like. A rookie tight end with a th- he did he, he broke the rookie tight end record for yards right oh yeah I think so. yeah I think yeah. he did yeah like and and for a rookie receiver to come in and have a thousand yard season is is pretty rare even today and so I think like I think we were so um, I, I can only speak for myself so depressed watching the Falcons last year that it was hard to like glean positives and he was very clearly a positive one thing I would love to see is how they're planning to get him more involved in the red zone mm-hmm. um, and to figure out how, because, I mean, that's that's who he was coming out. I mean, he, he's just a red zone cheat code. Um, and we didn't really see that. Um, he scored he scored one touchdown, right? Mm. Yeah. Like, I think I think that's sort of the next step, and I think he'll be helped. Wait, are we counting time. the Pro Bowl touchdown as a touchdown? Because that's his only one. Only one on American no. soil. He, yes. He, yeah, he had one in, in London. Yeah. Well, we're talking about American soil. We don't, yeah. We, Nativism uh, we, is very, very strong on this podcast. <laughs> I just, I think, I think that's the next step I'd really like to see to get to the point where in the red zone, we defenses can't account for him, and I think we will see that, especially as other weapons. Like if Drake London is also that kind of guy, mm. and you have two of those, and they can't focus all on pits, um, like that's that's what's really exciting to me. So like well, you know, could could I see could I see eleven hundred, twelve hundred yards, but then like eight touchdowns yeah i definitely could see that hmm yeah i mean this was last year he was the only guy with any reasonable level of size or amount of size in the red zone last year like so it's just it just became the cordero patterson show in the red zone last year i mean that and it's like matt ryan's tend had a tendency to have issues in the red zone where he just couldn't find his guy and that was like that was a the constant thing with julio um, and I know that uh, you know for a fact this year, if 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 Pitts comes out and has like eight to ten touchdowns or something like that in the red zone, everyone's going to be like, "Oh, see, it was Matt Ryan's fault." Blah blah blah. Yeah, and, and you know that's that's the narrative that's going to be coming out. But look, I, it, it's as much of that as it is year to year progression, and it's that ceiling for Kyle Pitts is so high. It's so high. He, he's he could be so so damn good. Hopefully, I mean, I think he's going to be the best receiver. Like, he's going to be one of the two best tight ends in football, I think, for the foreseeable future. I think that's coming in year two or year three. I think that pick, and it's one of those things where we all will still always have our qualms about whether or not that was the best value. But the when people said that he was probably the best player in that draft and the best player at that spot, where it's like he just seems like there's no bust potential whatsoever with this guy. I think they were right. Like that was one of those where those people can take a lap where it's like there was all kinds of reasons for Kyle Pitts not to get a thousand yards and do what he did last year. And he still quietly did that. So if you put him in an explosive offense and you give him real weapons and uh, just, I mean, I just don't see a path where he's not one of the two best uh, tight ends in football uh, sooner rather than later, like tier one and year two, he's the only one in this list who's there. It's just, he's a different player. And and I think like if you t- if you want to talk about the draft last year, like you know I was definitely one who had concerns with taking a tight end 
fourth mm. just on on balance but like if you go back the only two guys that you're like yeah i wish we had taken them are jamar chase and micah parsons mm. and I, I don't there was no one advocating for jamar chase for pretty good reason i think um and and that circumstances have changed to to make that the case and there really wasn't anyone advocating for micah parsons at four like so i don't really know like garrett might have been okay um, i was about to say <laughs> I, I i do remember garrett like like i was all aboard the micah parsons that. train yeah mm-hmm. but i mean what micah parsons went what 11th 12th something like eighth, that eighth he was eighth. the first first Did defender the Cowboys the really board. had the eighth pick that year yeah it was the first one off the board hmm Point being, I want to say. like, I don't think I don't think we regret not taking Justin Fields. At least I don't. Um, no. Or, or Mac Jones, and you know, no one was saying like take Jamar Chase, take Jalen Waddle. Like that wasn't on the table. So if you want to evaluate in hindsight, you have to kind of remember how you were feeling in that moment. And I certainly don't. At minimum, I certainly don't think it's some like egregious mistake. Hmm. No. Plus, plus, if he turns into Travis Kelsey, I think everyone's going to completely forget about where he was drafted and whatever, who, whoever else was on the board. You know, yeah. it, it's one of those things. It's like if he comes in and he's everything that was promised, who gives a shit? Like it's 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 all out the all out the window. Like, uh, like if he becomes what he can become. Yeah. One thing I would one thing I would like to know, and we probably will never know, is if Trey Lance had been there at four, whether <clears> they would have <throat> taken him. Because um, th- there was a lot of buzz. Uh, going back to that draft that like Lance was the guy they liked mm. and if he was there they were going to take him um, and I think based on who they decided this offseason I would say yes Mariota and Ritter just being kind so of the mobile too. types like I think we now know mobile. and they chase Watson I think it's clear what kind of quarterback they're looking for it, but, mobile but it says yeah. a lot about fields that they weren't they they yeah. balked at that because he's kind of you know he's in a he's a similar mold to Watson really um, and yeah. they they passed I think they would have taken Lance, and the whole path mm. of this entire franchise have they taken Lance is obviously so different, and it's I think it's it's fascinating to like play that game out. Um, obviously, we'll we'll never know, and it doesn't really matter because he wasn't there. But I will always kind of think that they wanted Lance from that draft, and just circumstances didn't allow it. Yeah. Um, speaking of the QBs, so some high praise for Desmond Ritter early on here. So Dwayne Jones, Falcons assistant, assistant director of college scouting, uh, he said, uh, quote, we fell in love with the kid. Jones said it was a guy where we walked away from him impressed. Uh, he told AtlantaFalcons.com this story, McElhaney. Um, and then players, John Fitzpatrick called Ritter a leader. Tyler Algier, is it Algier? What Algier. Algier. Okay. Uh, said the quarterback is a genius in the playbook. Drake London said he's someone players gravitate towards, someone guys want to be around, someone he wants to be around. Charles London said Ritter did during uh, that said, okay, that was phrase weird. Said what Ritter did during rookie minicamp was noteworthy. Quote: He came in here during rookie camp, and it's hard. He's got players who are undrafted free agents and street free agents who have never been together before. London said. I thought he did a really good job of rallying the group and getting everybody going in the right direction. This has just Dak Prescott written all over it. This man is starting week one. I would be surprised if it's not Ritter starting week one. I'm now at that point. People are are saying the same basic thing about Marcus Mariota. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of the same comments have been coming out. I'm I'm not going to judge anything until training camp starts. Mm -hmm. And when I can go out there and actually stand on the sideline and watch these guys play. Because that really, really matters. Because these guys aren't even—they're not even pads. They barely have helmets on. 
I mean, I was up there for, for rookie minicamp. They were they weren't even they weren't doing anything. They were mostly just stretching. Mm. Like it was it, it wasn't much. It was more just like, hey, this is, these are your teammates. Get to know them a little bit. Like that's all it really was. So I'm not I'm not judging anything there. I mean, Arthur Smith even went on record and was like, yeah, this is just we're getting these guys to know each other. Like mm. that's just where we are. Um, so I'm not going to take anything. Anything that happens right now, between now and July, what, 17th, when they open up rookie, or mm-hmm. the actual training camp, it's a grain of salt. It's a grain of salt to get fans excited and actually like, somewhat interested in what this season is going to be. And I love Tori McElhaney. She's fantastic. She does incredible work. We have her on the station all the time. But she's also on the paycheck, to, and she wants people to be engaged with the team. So, obviously, she's going to hype these guys up as best she can. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a knock on her at all, not even in the slightest. Yeah, having said that, that's exactly. I mean, you're hearing what you want to hear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, I think that's cool. There was uh, to the point of of, and I'm also with you. Like, you know, you hear a lot of that stuff, and great training camp hasn't started. Let's see what happens on the field. Um, but there was there was a story going around around draft time of a of a a rookie QB who told who like went to teams during interviews and said, "This is how I'm going to beat out your veteran." And that was Ritter. Um, and I think, like, if this sort of plays out that way, um, it'll just be fun to... Like, he, he clearly is a very confident, but also, you know, charismatic and likable guy. Like, his teammates seem to like him, and he's a, you know, quote-unquote winner. And I think that stuff just kind of is... Um, what's the word? It, it, it rubs off on people, and I think... If all else is equal, like that is sort of a tiebreaker here. Um, and I'm not saying Mariota's not that guy, but Mariota's a 30 year old veteran, right? Like he, mm-hmm. it's not the same level of like possibility. And if and if it's equal, if this competition is is sort of an equal competition, you lean on the side of getting this guy reps because we really need like we we've, we mm-hmm. can say this over and over again. We really need to know what he is by the end of this year, or at least have a good idea of what he could be. Um, and so like. You know, I don't think Arthur Smith's just going to hand him the job, and we've said that over and over again. But if it's close, you you know, getting him reps is matters a ton this year. Mm. It matters a lot. Um, so I'm excited. I will say you can spare me the uh, the comments from like, every time this happens where a team, and I'm not saying this is what it is, but like when a team hits on a, like a mid to late round quarterback somehow, like Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. whatever, and they're like, yeah, we just knew, like we we saw it in and we fell in love with the guy. It's like, no, if you fell in love with the guy, you would have taken him before the third round, uh, the sixth round. Well, whatever. I like, do think there are probably people in the building that did, and then they don't have the final say in where who's taken. So they're like, no, 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 take him early. We got to make sure we have him in the building. And it worked out. I, there, there are some people who saying, definitely. They had two second round picks. <laughs> if they really loved this guy, they probably would have just taken him with yeah. one of those picks. But I mean, but you also have you have guys who you can really, really love, and no, they're no, just. But that doesn't mean they're top ten on your board. But it's just know? funny sometimes when these guys develop into like. Oh, it's hindsight. It's all like, captain yeah, hindsight. We, we knew all it. along that Dak Prescott yeah. was special, and like we, we it, knew about better than you, and like. Blah, it's blah, the way that the, the the damn Patriots, the Patriots, say, oh well, we had we had Tom Brady on our board and as a third round guy, and like then why the hell didn't you take him in the third round? Why didn't you take him in the fourth round? Yeah, exactly. You passed like, on him what five times? Yeah, you, yeah. Like, so you're really gonna roll the dice? He's like there in the fourth round, and you're like, wow, we have a second, third round pick on this guy. Great on this guy. Take him. 
<laughs> you know? So it's like, it's all that Captain Hindsight bullshit, you know? It's it's, it's mostly, like, take it with a grain of salt. But we can say with confidence that he was probably their favorite quarterback on the board. Um, because oh, yeah. only, only Pickett was gone, and I don't think Pickett was their kind of guy anyway. No. Only Pickett was gone, they had their choice, they chose Ritter. And that, that does say something to me. Yeah. Well, let's pivot to the Atlanta Hawks, uh, our season review uh, series for each player. We did JC last week. DeAndre Hunter this week. Um, Garrett, DeAndre Hunter, how would you uh, review his season this past year? I, I've had time to cool off on DeAndre Hunter a little bit. I think we were a little harsh, I think, based off of the way the season ended. And... And it's like it's it's that combined with the pack, the fact that we've been seeing what Jalen Brown has done. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen Brown, and no, I'm not necessarily I'm not saying that they have the same trajectory or whatever, but you look at them and it's like they have very similar type body types. The 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 archetype archetype of of like whatever these two guys are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen Brown averaged 13 points per game his third year. DeAndre Hunter averaged 14. Right there, and and then year four exploded. Took that second, took that leap forward. I don't think that the team is DeAndre Hunter is going to be a hawk. The more, the farther we get from the season, the more I believe they're not going to reach an agreement. He's going to play on his final year of his deal here in Atlanta, um, and then they could potentially find something as a restricted free agent next year. Uh, but the farther I get, I give him like a B on the season. I mean, he had a lot of injury injury issues. He has had injury issues throughout the course of his career. Has not played a full season in his full first three years. Um, first year, not really his fault. I, I blame that more on the uh, the COVID situation. But look, I mean, you saw what he could be potentially in in the NBA playoffs. But you were also asking him to do far too much for this team. Like you're asking him to carry the load against the Miami Heat, and he just he wasn't capable of doing that at this point at this point in his career. I, I don't know. Like I, I, we were a little harsh on him. We were a little harsh on him. We got to get him some help. Um, is he going to be the true running mate for Trey Young? No, I don't think so. It, could he be a plus role player who can play elite level three and D? Maybe as the third or fourth option on this team? Yeah, I can see him doing that in like the ten to fifteen million dollar range uh, as far as payments go. He's going to be a hawk next year, and, and that's really all that matters. And I, I want to see what he can do as far as development goes. I want to see him get healthy. If he can get healthy and play a good season start to finish, I think we can see some real progress from this kid. And I want to see him be able to, I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, I want to see him like develop some level of playmaking, not necessarily high-level assist totals, but more than, like, what did he average? Like, one and a half assists per game this year? Two assists per game? Like, you got to be a little bit better than that. Give me four or five and then we can really have a conversation there. But well, I think part of that is just him bringing the ball back up, like he was doing yeah. a little bit uh, the season ago. Like that's how that Get goes up is being a primary ball handler, and he's just not that. He definitely was not that at all this past year, late yeah. in the year. I don't know, Max. What do you think? Yeah. Um, so DeAndre Hunter is going to turn twenty five uh, in December of like during the next season. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown is twenty five. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't, I'm kind of done with like the whole, like, what could DeAndre Hunter be? Because I, I do think it actually makes more sense to compare guys across age than, than years in the league. I think we get mm-hmm. too caught up in that. And development really happens based on your age. Um, and, and I think like, I'm sort of just done evaluating him on like, uh, oh, like, 
if he, you know, if he continues this trajectory or he improves this or that, he kind of is what he is to me. And hmm. he's not a bad player. He's a, he's a, he's a useful, he's a good, useful player when he's healthy, but he's played, he's never played more than, um, 62 games in a season. He played 52 this year. And like, that is where you have to start with this because if you can't count on him to be healthy, um, it's, it's just endless frustration with that. Um, and I'm not, you know, I don't think that means like go turn around and trade him. Like, I don't know what DeAndre Hunter would get on the open market right now. It's, it's probably not, you know, what he probably thought he would get a year ago. Right. Um, and so, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to like a reasonable extension. I wouldn't be opposed to playing it out and seeing going to restricted free agency. I think if you go to restricted free agency, you have to be okay with losing him. But I think the Hawks are kind of coming to their senses in terms of like, we're not building around this guy in any capacity. He can be part of, you know, however we want to build, but we're not going to be like hesitant to go get a wing over him who, you know, DeAndre Hunter might not start next year. It's not crazy to say he wouldn't start next year um, if they improve at wing. And so I think like, basically like, you know, I'm not sure you can rely on him to stay in the lineup and I'm kind of done evaluating the like, could he be a star thing? I think that ship has sailed. Um, and he, what he is, is a good, useful NBA player, probably like a 12 to 15 million a year kind of guy, maybe more if he can prove he can stay healthy. Um, and that's fine, but it's not, you know, he's certainly not like piece two to, to Trey's piece one. He's not, he's not a building block. He's just kind of part of it. And that's kind of okay. I mean, I'm still operating on the assumption. I, I'm going to die on this hill. And uh, we talk about hindsight a lot on this particular podcast. I still think either Wiggins or Jordan Poole is a hawk. I think that's the big move this summer. And if that means DeAndre Hunter is part of that and saving but, money, because I think he only makes, what, $12 million next year? Um, I uh, I think that's that's still the end goal here. But DeAndre is just... His thing is, like, you talk about development. I think the biggest issue with DeAndre is just availability. Like, I think if you got 82 games of DeAndre, I think most of us are okay with what he is if you're getting 82 games out of him. Or close, like 78, like whatever. You have your rest days and stuff like that. But like ultimately, the availability factor combined with the lack of growth where you're like, well, we can't... It, it seems like he keeps running into roadblocks to get to that next level. So it's like, the, I think the two are related where his injuries prevent him from really maximizing his growth in the offense and uh, growth next to Trey. But at a certain point, like Max alluded to, it's like, he's still the same age as Jalen. Like he's going to be 25 this year. Like it's at this point, you kind of are what you are and um, it's just going to be hard. And I'm curious, I don't know what his value, like I would be really fascinated to see if the Hawk, like if he doesn't have a great year and the Hawks just let him go into restricted free agency next summer, like that would be fascinating because I have no idea what kind of number he would get. And I don't think I, I, their wings just are so hard to find. Never anybody wants a wing that they're like, Oh, we can, we can get him some reps so we can turn him into something like you're seeing that right now with OG, like OG's developing a lot of interest around the league. And they're like, okay, he's not this in Toronto, but he's flashed uh point guard skills in summer league and he has the right size and he can defend all five positions. And he's shown a little bit of touch from three. It's like that. Those guys, if you can turn them in, like everybody wants to turn them into a Kawhi or something, but there is, I, I just am curious what people would see around the league with DeAndre um, at this point, but I don't know. I think it was a really frustrating season, and I'm sure it was frustrating for him, 
but I I don't know. It uh it, it leads me to this other point about this Hawks team, which is I was going through cleaning the glass yesterday and really great site. Uh highly recommend it. And they have uh, just all kinds of great stats that I was looking through that a lot of sites don't have. And I, y'all have seen the sheets, so I, you already know this, but the Hawks' best five-man lineup per Clean the Glass last year was Trey, Bogey, Herder, Collins, and Capella. And it wasn't even close. Like, I was looking through for the next closest one. That was the closest group. Uh, that was the best group, and they were plus 30 in differential, over 300 possessions. So it wasn't like they only had... Uh, 100 150 200 whatever they had 300 like it was it was over 300 it was a lot of possessions and if you watch those games that was something that i thought about where it's like when we think about trey and like what he's best at it that offense just kind of reminds me of peak harden and capella in houston <laughs> where it's just the pick and roll threat with uh capella you have harden who just has an incredibly high usage who's just uh gonna do so much on offense you're gonna live and die with how he plays and then you surround him with shooters in the wing and just shooters. And Bogey and Herter were those guys. And Hunter is just not a consistent enough shooter where I'm not surprised that when he's not getting those shots up and he's taking, like he's ending a quarter with a goose egg with that group, that he's not in that same uh, differential. Like that did not surprise me. But that's why I've been so careful to trade Bogey. It's like the one thing about Bogey is he's going to get his shots up and he is going to be the kind of shooter that Trey tries to find, whether it's in the corner or wherever. He can also just create his own shot. Herder, I didn't realize that he never went to the line this past year. Like this man never. He was in the one of the worst, uh, um, what is the put, um, percentiles uh, when it comes to free throw attempts per shot attempt. So he like never got fouled. He's a good free throw shooter. And that was like one of those where he needs to do more of that. Like DeAndre needs to do more of that. Those guys just do not seek contact nearly enough. But I don't know. I think that's interesting that we learned that JC Capella, Bogey, Herder, and Trey is the best iteration. And also I think kind of tells us what this offense needs to look like around Trey uh, going forward, right? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I wanted to throw something out there because I read uh... – I read in the athletic, um, I believe it was James Edwards who was talking, hmm. who was writing about, um, Jeremy Grant trades. And he, he threw the Hawks in there pretty strongly. He said they've inquired. He said they have interest. And he said that they've been talking about or have previously talked about bogey and a first for Grant, which hmm. is interesting. I mean, Grant's going to want his money. So it's the question is like, do you, do you give up those assets? I use the term asset loosely because I have no, the 16th pick does not interest me very much this year. Mm-hmm. Um, do you use those assets? But it's more, do you, like, do you want to pay Jeremy Grant, whatever, $30 million, or do you want to trust DeAndre Hunter? Because to me, that's kind of the question. Um, mm. And I don't know that DeAndre Hunter is giving you an, like, the, like the career path that DeAndre Hunter wants is Jeremy Grant. Hmm. Do we see him? living that out i i don't know but like do you do you take sort of the known commodity and pay it probably over market value or do you try to continue to make this work with deandre hunter and i do think it's kind of an either or thing um hmm. and I, you know I, I think that's like a i think that's a pretty good deal for the hawks all things considered um if they are if that's the kind of guy they want to pay um but it's kind of a like 
do you you know i know i know garrett it's not like the most like exciting option. it's i'm um, just looking at i'm looking at his i'm not looking at you i'm looking at his, his stat lines and i'm just i'm like I'm, i don't know man that's not 30 million dollars dude <laughs> I, I don't think that's I enough shooting like i think if we're running out a closing lineup of grant uh hunter trey jc and capella that's not enough shooting someone like that's just that that can't work yeah i mean the sneaky like the sneaky annoying part of this is herder is not like an elite shooter uh, yeah and that's that's what's annoying to me about herder is like he's he's solid about with all this stuff like he's a solid mm-hmm. shooter he's solid off the dribble but if he's not going to get to the line and he's not going to be an elite shooter mm-hmm. how much is he really helping us offensively besides you know move the ball you know doesn't doesn't need this is why i'm more like protective of bogey than i am herder going yeah. into the summer that's what, i was I'm very not, surprised I'm last not, year when, when herder like got that when Herder got that deal, like I think that was more of a reaction to what he did in the playoffs than it was anything else. I mean, he's a good player and he makes his team better. But it's like I think I think he took you, a step back. He regressed. But when you factor in age and durability, I don't think it's a question for me. Hmm. Um, I, yeah, I the durability Bogey. is the biggest issue with Bogey. Sure. I, yeah, but if you can't. You know, Bogey's. Great if your whole team's hurt, I mean, what, what are you going to do? You know. Herder is, is probably one of Herder and Trey were the two most consistent players in terms of actually being available on the Hawks. Hmm. Herder's also sneaky long, and that's like important in terms of being like passable in guarding a lot of different kind of players. Mm-hmm. Like he's a pretty solid defender for like most of the guys he's guarding. And Bogey's not going to be like out there guarding wings with any kind of effectiveness, like wings who can dribble. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm I'm much more inclined to deal Bogey personally than Herder, but you know, I'm also not like think, attached to Herder. Mm-hmm. I think if Herder was more aggressive offensively, I would be more attached. But it's like when Bogey and Trey are both on, it's just you see how much pressure they put on opposing defenses. Like those two just have the same kind of attack attack mentality, and they can do your turn, my turn, and Trey's fine with it. Like I don't, but I don't know. They yeah. seem like they are wired the same way. And like he's and Herder is a little bit different, where he's more of like the three who just keeps the engine running. He's just a wing that keeps this thing moving, pushing the ball where it needs to go. But I don't know. I one of these guys have to be moved. Like there's just no way these three of Bogey, Hunter, and um, uh, Herder are all on this team starting next year. I don't how think. How many? Yeah. How many Hawks fans do you think know that Kevin Herder is a year younger than DeAndre Hunter? Hmm. He's twenty three. Like I, you know. Well, DeAndre Hunter was just an old player. Like he was a what three or four year player at UVA. Three years. He was three years at UVA because he had the Mm. one injury. He was injured one year. Uh, Yeah. But it's also like the other big factor with DeAndre Hunter maybe being on this roster next year is the fact that he is affordable. Yeah, he's twenty five, but he's also making twelve million dollars compared to Mm. twenty million dollars. You know, like a lot of these other guys are making a lot more money. Yeah. so if you need to trade, if you're going to trade for Jeremy Grant or if you're going to trade for like one of these other guys who's making a lot more money, you have to match the contract. And that's what, and, and DeAndre Hunter's not really going to move the needle for that necessarily. And then you're also in the final year of your, of your deal. He's going to be making a lot of money as a restricted free agent. If you fully expect him to be on your roster long term, me like we like you expecting that, meaning like whatever team is going to trade for him. His value is just not there, so I'm not gonna. I, DeAndre Hunter's not gonna be a part of any deal, and I, 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 he's he's gonna play on this final deal. I'm, I'm final year of his deal, rather. I'm very con- like certain of that. Bogey or Herder, I, I, I see what you're saying though. One of those two guys probably is going to be shipped off this offseason to get that upgrade at the wing. 
Here's my thing with Bogey. Yeah. My last thing with Bogey. A lot of what he brings, I think, is that creation ability when Trey is out or, you know, when Trey needs a, like, he's a secondary creator, which is mm-hmm. important. But I do think you can get that element cheaper um, and more reliable. Like, you can you can get a, let's call it prime era Lou Williams type, Jordan Clarkson type, whatever, to run that, you know, get buckets on the second unit for a bit. Cheaper and, like, more reliable like is going to stay healthy because bogey like bogeys is the epitome of like that guy is great for three weeks at a time and then he gets hurt and then he goes in a cycle of like struggles and then he finally gets it back and it's just like when do you hit that window do you think he's gonna opt in that 18 million next year (laughs) i i know i know you're laughing and like you're like he's going to probably opt in but it's not like a bad contract no it's not bad but he'll be 32 he'll be 32 I'm fine paying this, him that. In yeah. This, yeah, in this, I'm perfectly uh, fine. In this, NBA. but then, but but Wait, you when mentioned it's like side on Gallinari. Oh, Gallo, I think it's who decides on that. Well, I think we have we decide on that because we have to figure out because he's making he makes twenty one million if he stays on this roster this year. Twenty one point four. There's zero chance. Yeah, but I he's, know they have he's to make probably a, a part of whatever deal is made. But uh, I think it's like he, they owe him. It's they owe him five million no matter what. Like it's like I think it's five million. If they didn't move him by a certain point, he got at least some court, some kind of yeah. guaranteed thing. Yeah, he has a dead cap value of five mil. That's what it is. But Oof. but look, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned a, a prime Lou Will, and I think mm. that was probably one of the biggest reasons why the Atlanta Hawks were as successful as they were in the playoffs last year is because you had a Lou Will who can come off and off the bench and be a spark plug next to Bogey. Um, and then you come in, you start her, and then Bogey comes in. And he was that he's that prime second option whenever he's on the floor, and then you then you sub in Trey Young for Lou Will, um, and or vice versa, like Lou Will for Trey Young, and then you don't have that serious drop off. You have your primary distributor, a guy who can still be that number two, and another guy who can light up the the scoreboard if necessary. So I don't think Bogey's the problem there. I think the issue is that the, you were trying to make that Bogey and Kevin Herter rather than. Uh, a bogey and uh, a Lou Will. So, like, we just need another like, dominant point guard, maybe like that backup point guard. DeLon Wright was that for a time. Like, right there at the end of the season, he showed that he could do it, but we he's also didn't win it that right? Say what? He's free agent, yeah. too, right? Yeah, he's gone yep. this year. Yeah. I don't think he's coming back. Hmm. For some oh, reason, I Nate do. McMillan didn't like DeLon Wright. I, it <laughs> never made sense, but I don't know. Um, Here we are. And then the other thing is just. So we have a hundred million dollars tied into three players for the next three years. So Trey's making forty-two with the max. JC's making twenty-five, and uh, Clint Capella will make twenty-two next year. So it's those guys are on the books for the next three to four years. Like that—that that is your high-priced core is those three, and that's what I wonder too. Is like if they want to make monumental shifts, it's like it's not Herder, Hunter, or. Um, bogey it's one of it's the we shouldn't throw Trey in there it's one of capella and john is like if you really want to clear up and if you want to pull in a big name like it capella or john collins is included in that deal like the well, one of those two yeah it has to be like financially mm-hmm. if you want to if you want to get a bradley beal donovan mitchell tight whatever like that kind that of, team has to want one of those guys a guy who's already on a max basically you it has to include one of the two of them and we're and, locked I, in like that is the core that's locked think, in i don't think that's that bad like i don't think that's first of all it's not unique in the nba like we, mm-hmm. we only have one max guy which is relatively 
you know, for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's not like neither – like Collins and Capella are both like very tradable contracts. Like I, there will be teams who want those guys on those deals. Yeah. It just – y'all realize that Kevin Knox has a $17.5 million cap hit? What? 17 or 7? I thought it was 7. 17.5 cap figure. Where are you seeing that? That's I'm seeing seven. Oh, his hold is seventeen. His hold yeah. is seventeen. Okay, but yeah, his qualifying all, all uh, offer was seven million. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I don't I'm just looking back. at spot track and I just read that. I was like, oh, what the? F-? Is it yeah. spot track or spot track? I never knew Spotrac- that. I've always said spot track. I don't know. Yeah. It's like twenty four seven sport or two four seven sports. Oh, I think it's two four seven. But I could. I, I don't know. Now that you, I've always said two four seven in my head, but I've always I mean, said two four seven too. But but it makes more it sense to say twenty four seven. Yeah, that doesn't even make any sense. Why? <laughs> Sorry, I got you guys all distracted. Again. No, that no, but they, look, this team, this team is it's got Trey Young. Find the find the next guy. I just don't know who it's going to be necessarily. One of these guys is going to be included in this deal. John Collins, Danilo Gallinari, and Clint Capella. One of those guys is gone this year. Mm. Um, I don't know who it is. John Collins seems to be at the top of everybody's wish list. So. Mm. It feels like it's and it feel and they just re-signed Clint Capella. Trey Young has that relationship with Clint Capella, so it would not shock me at all if John Collins is that guy, and especially at twenty three and a half per year, would not surprise me if he is the guy moved. Um, mm. In addition to maybe like a Jalen Johnson or an Yeko Kongwu or like one of the young guys, um, that would shock me in the slightest. Hmm. Um, we'll end quickly on the Braves. Michael Harris called up this week. Spencer Strider is, uh, and his illustrious mustache is on, uh, this Braves team now. Uh, Max, what did you make of Michael Harris's first week in the bigs? And, uh, do you think Strider is someone who is long for this rotation? Uh, we'll see on Strider. I mean, I think Harris, like, what's not to like, really? Um, I think, I think he's sort of here to stay um mm-hmm. yeah i don't know it's hard to evaluate guys like this where it's like i i do think there's an element and i don't know how you, how you guys feel about this about when a guy like just comes up and there's like not much on him like mm-hmm. there's not much scouting on him and like you just don't really know what you're getting that it almost like inflates their production a little bit um mm-hmm. or it can i don't say i don't want to say it always does but there's usually that period where when a guy comes up and he hits really well that I try not to like get too excited about that because there's always going to be the correction. And then it's about the correction to the correction. Um, and guys talk about that all the time where like pitchers don't know how to pitch to, you know, let's say for example, pitchers don't know how to pitch to Michael Harris right now Mm -hmm. or like, you know, just sort of are generic with him. There's two weeks span, three weeks span, um, where that benefits him. And then there's like, you know, the intel's out on like how to quote unquote get him out. And then it's up to him to sort of adjust to that and how he adjusts to that. will say a lot um, about him, but I think like, you know, what's not to be optimistic about in the, in the short term. I mean, he's the, he's a five tool player. I mean, he's a guy who's going to give you gold glove defense and he's fast on the base. I mean, you do everything. Uh, We haven't really, we've seen the hard hit balls. We haven't seen him hit for, for distance yet necessarily. Um, I think he put a hole in, in the left field wall two days ago, <laughs> but I mean, it still hasn't gone over the wall yet. And he's hitting for average two, 286, multiple RBIs. He's playing well. I mean, and this is it, but most importantly, it's not even the fact that his bat is good enough right now. It's the fact that he's giving us 
elite defense in center field, which I love Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall is not a center fielder. Adam Duvall is a very good left fielder or right fielder. He's not a center fielder. Double He's a not player, an everyday center fielder. Say what? Double A player? <laughs> no, but he's... I don't know. Michael do Harris is going to give you a lot. Line right now. Do you want me to go through the Adam Duvall batting line? Oh, it's bad. No, it's bad. It's very mm-hmm. bad. But I, I think Adam Duvall is a streaky player. He he He's all hot or all cold. And it, like... He's going to be here at the professional level. He like you can't move off of him. Like you have to keep rolling it unless he unless we get to like mid July and he still has not figured it out at the plate. He's been hitting better in the last couple of weeks. Adam Duvall has, and he'll be he'll he'll continue to turn around. I'm 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 still confident in Adam Duvall's ability to do that. My biggest question for the Atlanta Braves right now is what do you do with Contreras hmm. because. As you're coming back with this designated hitter spot and you've already pulled up Michael Harris, Michael Harris needs to be playing center field. Right. Okay. He's going to answer this. Adam Duvall's on the bench and Contreras is the DH. I can answer this. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, it's like, I, I'm not going to do that and put what? Marcelo Zuna in left field? Yes. <sighs> I mean, yeah. That's why I, you have Michael Harris and Acuna in center and right. And you just have yeah. One, you have one. Assuming one, that Ronald Acuna does play in right yeah. field. Well, Which even, is not is is far from an assumption at this point. I wish he's, we could put soon. He's Ozuna just as likely and, he's just uh, as likely to miss a game as he is to play right field. Yeah, you know, and so like you're you're coming back and he has to play in it, it, like he like you can't have an outfield of Contreras, Michael Harris, and Marcelo Zuna. That, yeah. that is just incomprehensibly bad. And like so like you have to have Adam Duvall at this level, but, but you also have Travis Darno is also Contreras a plus. Lineup like this lineup's too bad. Like, you need Contreras in every day right now. He is well, good. Contreras didn't play yesterday, and they just went yeah. up, they unloaded for thirteen runs. They it's hit eighteen the hits yesterday. It's the Rockies. Yeah, of course, but it's still a major league baseball team, and they still had eighteen hits. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's I great. Know. Contreras is good. Contreras has been fantastic this year. You got to mm-hmm. ride the hot streak. He's going to be playing today. I haven't seen the line. They haven't released the lineup, but I would be shocked if he doesn't come in two days in a row. Hmm. Adam Duvall is nearly a full win below replacement. <laughs> point, which is oh, Adam Duvall really, has been terrible. Don't get me wrong. Really no, Adam Duvall has been terrible. Terrible. But, yeah, I mean, it's a question of like leash there. Like how long mm, can you yeah. sort of let that play out? Um, and then this is his prove it the... month. And like Azuna, you have to play. Like the contract's there. Like Azuna, need he just has to be in the lineup. Like, this Azuna. is Duvall's final year of his contract. So right. Duvall, I give Duvall the month of June, and then if he hasn't figured it out, like if he's still struggling at the plate, you gotta you gotta cut him. Like you gotta cut bait. And then, especially if Michael if his Harris name was Alex Dickerson, you would have cut bait already. I'm not responding to that. I'm not responding to that. <laughs> no, but Adam Duvall is going to be that. He just gives you too much on defense. Um, yeah. Where you're really lacking. Michael Harris, I, and Max, I'm with you. I'm uh, Jury's still out. He's going to be, I think he's a long-term answer for the Braves. Yeah. I don't necessarily think he's going to be He's a short-term answer and a long-term answer, but as far as the midterm, as far as like what is he going to be for the second part of the season, the jury's still out. Because you still Grissom Austin was Riley. all in on him. Did you read the Grissom uh, comments? Yeah, we actually talked. I talked to Mark. We talked to Marquise Grissom on Monday. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, he trained him. Like he yeah. was like one of his guys. He was on with he was on with us uh, on the morning show on Memorial Day. So we had okay. him on. Um, yeah, he trained him up. So he like Marquis Christian, I mean the World Series center fielder for the Atlanta Braves. He's been training guys in this area for a very long time. And Michael Harris is probably one of the best guys to come through that system. And like I said, he's a five tool player. He, like this guy could be 
one of the best players on the Braves roster in the next couple over the next couple of years. But Austin Riley is probably one of the best players on this team right now, but we still went through some very dry spells with Austin Riley. And we saw mm-hmm. how good Austin Riley is with a bat. And Austin Riley is a better hitter than Michael Harris is. So we'll see what happens with him. I, he's, the dry spell could come and it could hit very hard. I mean, we get, don't forget he's 21 years old. Like mm. He's still figuring it all out. Yeah, I think the intriguing thing is that you can see like the long term there. And it, the, the irony is that like you can very much see how he fits in the long term picture and is definitely an answer. Not definitely. is probably an answer for the long term. But that doesn't mean you can pencil him in for any sort of stretch run this year. And so mm. it's a little bit of a give and take where you sort of have to like touch and go. And he can't be sort of like in ink as, as an answer for you know the next few months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's very close to – he reminds me a lot of Jason Hayward where it's mm, like the guy's going to be – he, he's an elite defender. We already see how elite he is with his glove out there. But did he hit a home run in his opening at bat? <laughs> no, but no, he, he did get a, a beautiful – that single was very pretty. That second hit, that, that his first hit, mm-hmm. his second at bat. That first at bat was – did you see that first at bat? Mm-hmm. It was ugly. Yeah. It was – it was very bad, um, and then his second at bat, he comes up and he, he sat on a he sat back on a pitch and he and he swung through it and he let it get in on his hands and he, he played in on it. So he's he's a good hitter. I mean, we've seen what he can do with the bat. He's not going to be Christian Pache. He's already better than Christian Pache. Yeah. He's already better than Christian. He's Pache. not going to have the, not the same thing. Like Pache's glove is still just one of a kind, but uh, Pache's glove is he was the best. He was the best outfielder in the Braves farm system when he was eighteen years old. Yeah. He was the best. He was the best outfielder in the entire organization at the time. Mm-hmm. That's what everyone was saying when he was 17, 18 years old. Michael Harris could be that guy in the outfield. He's not as good as Christian Pache, but he. I would he rather him take that, a little bit out on the field and be a better hitter. I'd, I'd rather, rather him be a able bit more to, balanced. you know, yeah. hit above the Mendoza line. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, I think Michael Harris good. can be that guy. Michael Harris is a very good baseball player. But Max, like you said, we, we gotta we gotta see what he does over the next. Like not necessarily the month of June. I want to see what he does in the month of July. He skipped Triple A. Like no one saw this coming. That was like one of those weird things where usually you'll see something coming, but there was no talk. I was listening to like Lockdown Braves like the day before he was called up, and they were like doing a mailbag. I think it was like, oh, he, uh, yeah, we won't see him this year probably. Like we talked to Grant McCauley, and Uh Grant McCauley was telling he does a new show on ninety two nine. He was saying that. Like he had been flashing it like at the double A level, but at the end of the day, it's still the double A level. This mm-hmm. isn't this isn't like triple A, much less the majors. And but he said there's a very realistic chance that we see him in September mm-hmm. when rosters expand. And the fact that I mean, he skipped over triple. It was yeah. it it shocked me. Like I was blown away that when it happened, um, especially the day it happened too. The, the, like he's facing one of the best pitchers in the National League. Mm. You're going to call him up that day, really? Like, that's interesting. But, I mean, you give him, he, he's, the, the Braves had a shot in the arm. They've mm. had a, their defense has been much improved. They haven't had those, the, the same amount of ugly errors in the outfield as they had. Um, they so, were like, Travis Demerit's uh, WRC Plus is about to go into the negatives, and uh, we've got to do something. Um, there you go. Garrett Chapman, Max Markovich, that's all I've got here on this Friday afternoon on the Atlanta Sports Guys. Uh, we can find you on Twitter at GChapATL and Max underscore Markovich. Uh, guys, I will talk to you next week.
All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Atlanta Sports Guys here on the Chase Ones Podcast, or two here on the Saturday, June 4th, 2022 edition of the Chase Ones Podcast here at Blue Wire Pods. Uh, make sure that if you enjoyed today's episode, uh, leave this show a five-star rating and a review. If you are an Apple Podcast or a Spotify listener, you can subscribe and keep up with the program and follow it on any of your podcast preferences. So CastBox, uh, Stitcher, wherever, Google Podcasts, the Chase Thomas Podcast is there. So please do subscribe so that you have access to all of my previous episodes and all that good stuff. Um, email me at chasemuspodcast at gmail.com. Check out the homepage at chasemuspodcast.com as well. Uh, hour three coming up in just one second. And then that'll do it for the Saturday, June 4th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. So thank you guys, as always, for sticking around. And uh, we'll be up with the next episode in just one second. Uncle Derek, how did I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.